Welcome to Axios Recap. I'm Naomi Shaven, and I'm filling in for Dan this week. Today is Thursday, August 13th. Best Buy stock is up, the Dow is down, and we're focused on the pandemic's impact on businesses owned by women of color. As the pandemic has stretched on and support for the Black Lives Matter movement has surged, we've had a national reckoning over the multiple crises that Black Americans especially are facing. On top of the structural racism and violence Black Americans experienced already, health disparities in COVID-19 outcomes have hit Black communities particularly hard, and economic impacts from the pandemic have been devastating. The J.P. Morgan Chase Institute found that small businesses had, on average, just 15 cash buffer days before the coronavirus pandemic, but that 95% of small businesses and majority Black communities had 14 days or fewer. Then, in May, research published by the National Bureau of Economic Research found that the previous month, 41% of Black business owners and 25% of female business owners reported that they weren't working. This week, USA Today and the 19th co-published a story headlined, When Systemic Racism Meets the Coronavirus, Black Women Suffer Economically. These events, findings, and reports have catalyzed an outpouring of support for Black women-owned businesses. And one organization, Black Girl Ventures, saw $200,000 in donations come in over just 10 days. Black Girl Ventures supports Black and brown women-identifying founders with funding, helping them to scale, and providing them with a network and other resources. Shelley Bell, founder of Black Girl Ventures, joins us now to talk about how the founders and her network are faring through the pandemic, what happened after the donations poured in, and what they hope to see next. We had talked at the beginning of the pandemic for a piece that I was reporting. Research had just started to come out in March that showed that businesses owned by women and minorities were getting hit really, really hard by the pandemic. And I'm wondering if you could start by setting up how those first couple months of this were experienced by the founders in your network. Some of the stories that we got were things like people losing two months of customers in one day. We have a founder in our network who had to close down her dance studio. So then she had to try and figure out students dancing online. The initial reaction was losing your customers, losing a batch of your revenue. And before you can even think about bouncing back, just bouts of depression. Absolutely. It's a health struggle. It's a psychological trauma. It's this insane economic event, too. I'm wondering if you could talk about the health piece of it and how that's affected the women in your network. Yeah, 100 percent. If we think about history, Black businesses have only had about 60 years to build wealth uninterrupted. And I don't even know if you can say uninterrupted completely, considering that, you know, oppression still exists and, you know, redlining still is existing in some bank discrimination. But, you know, just to speak uh, sort of generally, I'll say about 60 years, right? So considering that when, you know, they say when white America gets a cold, Black America gets the flu, I guess pneumonia. <laughs> so imagine how hard this is hitting from the standpoint of you are in a place of racial wealth gap and disparity. You know, trying to bounce back from this looks a whole lot different. Your confidence is shot, right? Like, so the news cycle, which is affecting everyone, but then the idea that like your community is dying faster than everybody else. Oh, and by the way, your businesses in general, statistically, are shutting down, you know, 40% of Black-owned businesses declining. And then you are part of that 40%. You know, it does something to your mental health to see, you know, read those headlines and then have to go back and figure out what to do with your business. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, in May and June, the headlines 
switched focus. The death of George Floyd and then the subsequent Black Lives Matter protests really shifted the national conversation to focus on systemic racism, specifically against Black Americans. And I know that there is a little bit of a bright spot there where Black Girl Ventures saw a ton of corporate donations come in. I'm really curious about that time and what happened with those donations and how they affected the founders in your network. Yeah, I love that. So we're resilient as a people. We're going to bounce back. I mean, this is a moment for sure. And I think what I have been really excited about is the ingenuity of Black people during this time and figuring out, well, what is the pivot going to look like for us? You know, for some people going back into a workplace that does not appreciate who you are is actually not an option. So people have been teaming up, collaborating. What we're seeing, the donations that we've received have allowed us to offer memberships to our Connect Incubator to about 600 women. And that means we're delivering direct business support to them. So we do virtual pitch practice, co-working. We are constantly searching for all available resources and opportunities to send to them directly, make warm introductions, build relationships, helping them build relationships that will help them push their businesses forward. Also, I think for the corporations and companies who have come to us to see them making this move, you know, it kind of adds some balance to the news cycle, right? When you could look at your timeline and see that amazing companies like Warby Parker, people like Moet Hennessy, Kim Crawford Wines, Rare Beauty Brands, Johnny Walker Brands, you know, are deciding to lean into the communities that may have historically been affected and been affected by disparity. So, you know, we've been able to take that information, take that capital. And just, you know, I also just want to say that individuals, you know, we've had Misha Nanu, who's a fashion designer, has an amazing brand herself, has been active as a donor and pushing out the founders that we have. We were retweeted by and reposted by Kourtney Kardashian. I mean, to see, you know, it's been surreal And we have just so much gratitude for all the support that's coming our way. We've got so many like actual paper checks from family funds and individuals who are making a move to say, we want to focus on the markets that you're in. We want to help be a part of Black businesses bouncing back. Do you think things are going to be different going forward in corporate America? And when we think about the way that the VC world decides who they're going to give money to, You're having these conversations with people who are saying that they want to commit this help now and they also want to commit it going forward. Do you expect to see that change going forward? And what are the signs that you're seeing where you are? I love that. That was a very nice way of saying, do you think they're for real? (laughs) And so many people have been asking me that. What I'll say is I think that the people are coming to us are for real. Now, I can't speak for every corporation and organization out there, and I'm seeing it through their actual commitment, right? You know, we've had several conversations with Warby Parker connected founders to their venture arm at this point. We're having multiple conversations. Like we had multiple conversations with a company called Medallia, who's a software company. Multiple conversations with The Laundress, which is a very awesome detergent company and cares about like clothing care. So I would say the people we're seeing, yes. And because they did the diligence, they did the work. They didn't just say, oh, okay, Black Lives Matter, let's give to the largest Black entity we can find that everybody always gives to. I won't name them, but I'll just say the lazy work is, oh, we'll just give to the biggest ones we see. The people who are coming to us are doing the diligence. They're reading everything we put out. They're reading every article about us, every article about me. They are looking at every piece of our social media and they're making a decision to partner up. We haven't come across a lot of funders who are just throwing the capital without thought. So that's, I would say, the long-term view of what could come out of this. 
Let's go short term again for a minute. Did this help buy time for the founders in your network, you know, the ones who were really concerned about having to not just shut down their physical space, but possibly shut down their entire business? Well, when you increase the capacity of a Black organization like Black Girl Ventures in the way that we were already serving, then you absolutely increase capacity of the people that we're serving. And so we've been able to provide more opportunities. And so us being able to do the pitch coaching, us being able to help them navigate within the network. And actually, like even giving the capacity for me to be able to do some coaching, the peer mentoring that happens. So I would say 100% yes. You know, these donations have increased the capacity of Black Girl Ventures, therefore increasing the capacity of the women that we serve through the services that we are offering them. We have just launched a launch camp that we're working through with SeedSpot. These donations will help offset that, cost to run that. We have created our own curriculum called Jetpack, which is your level two, because a lot of accelerators and incubators give founders level one. And this particularly caters to Black women founders in the way that they are facing challenges and the way they are operating. We'll be able to give out more money in this pitch competition season. (laughs) So the donations are also going to capital that will go out directly. We've seen the expiration of CARES Act programs, including PPP, additional unemployment benefits, eviction moratoriums. You know, these are programs that help so many people who run their own businesses because they're operating on such tight margins. And I'm curious if there are specific things that you're hearing from your network that the founders that you know are really hoping to see structurally, say, in the next stimulus package or in other programs that might come into effect as the pandemic goes on. What I would love to see, the things we've been talking about is the government's recognition of entrepreneur support organizations outside of CDFIs. You know, there's hundreds of organizations like Black Girl Ventures who are out there doing this work. However, the top of the funnel gets stuck at like NAACP, Urban League, CDFIs. And alongside them, we're also the ones hearing the stories. And so I think recognition that These solutions don't often come from the top down, they come from the bottom up. And so like getting away from grassroots would be awesome. It just doesn't feel like the solve. So how do we systematically create the placement for grassroots organizations in the funding pipeline where they are valid or validated and not viewed as like some side hustle that somebody just is passionate about? Like while I'm passionate about helping black and brown women, we're actually helping Black and brown women. You know, so it's like we have actually successfully gotten capital to Black and brown women in ways that the government or banks were not and have not. So I think like there should be some honor in this realm of entrepreneur support organizations that has not yet been validated at a more national, federal level. And so I would love to see that move happen where the PPP is like actively and openly acknowledging the people who directly deal with the small businesses Shelly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. What we're watching today is unemployment numbers. Today's numbers show that last week, new unemployment claims were below 1 million, a first since layoffs soared in March. But that's not the whole story. There are nearly half a million people that aren't counted in that headline number. Over 9,000 people filed first-time claims with their states. That's where that number comes from. But another 489,000 filed under another program that extends benefits to gig workers. The data released today also showed that over 28 million people are currently collecting some form of unemployment. That number is falling, but it's falling slowly. And that means a lot of people are still out of work. 
Today, we're also watching Rhode Island, where a Supreme Court ruling allowed a consent decree to go into effect that will make mail-in voting easier. Previously, mail-in ballots in Rhode Island had to be signed in front of two witnesses or a notary, but that requirement was suspended for the June primary because of coronavirus. Finally, after a succession of lawsuits around efforts to extend the suspension, Supreme Court justices, in a letter dated today, allowed a consent decree from state officials to go forward. This is the first time Supreme Court justices agreed to address an effort aimed at voter relief during the pandemic. It's only August, so it may not be the last. And we're done. Big thanks for listening and to producers Carol Alderman and Tim Shovers. Have a great national Prosecco Day. How could you not? And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap podcast.